Welcome everyone to this episode of the Sport Kite Podcast, where we'll be talking about any and all things Sport Kite related. Over the next episodes, we hope to talk about everything from how to set up your first Sport Kite to more advanced stuff like how to tweak your trick flying and kind of a little bit of everything in between. I am your host, Nick O'Neill, founder of sportkite.org, and I wanted to thank you for tuning in and listening. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com slash sportkite. This podcast is a part of the website sportkite.org, and it's a growing resource for sportkite flyers and enthusiasts. It is all volunteer run and updated, so every little bit helps. You can find us also on Facebook, and we'd love to hear what you think, whether you agree or disagree with what we're saying, or maybe you just want to add something. In this episode, we rejoin Devin Coblay-Morrison, Zach Gordon, Hunter Brown, Spencer Watson, and Paul DeBacher, all with varying levels of experience in flying and designing. We discuss how different elements of sport kite design influences your flying, your style, your progression, and more. Let's get started. Okay, so my name is Devin Coblay-Morrison. I've been flying kites for 25 years, give or take a couple months. really liked the teaching and discovering different parts of kites aspect of things. So, uh, paired up with Skyburner in 2012, I've released uh, quite a bit of kites through them, uh, now with premier and there's actually a line of three coming out with a new company in a couple months. So that's a little bit about me. Hey, I'm Spencer Watson, also known as Wadi. been flying kites for about 15, 16 years, been building kites for the last few years, flying indoor, outdoor, dual line, quad line stacks, whatever. So, yeah. Great. My name is Zach Gordon. I've been flying kites for about 20, 22 years. And uh, fly dual line, quad line, um, pairs, and team. I really like the competition aspect of kiting. And, yeah, live out in Los Angeles now. My name is Hunter Brown, and I have been flying for about 35 years. Was involved in a lot of the development of the, the uh, slackline tricks in the mid to late 90s. I owned a kite store for about 10 years and a co-founder of Focus Kite Designs as well. And my name is Paul DeBucker. I've been flying sport kites competitively and in uh, demo type context since 1992. First in Europe where I'm from and now I'm based in Washington State. And uh, yeah. All right. So I wanted to pose a question to you guys of what you think are critical elements of kite design when it comes to sport kites either we can talk about the the history of sport kite design or we can just talk about what you're looking for uh as a sport kite flyer or even as a designer because i know there's quite a few designers on the call um yeah what what stands out for you that is a critical element of sport kite design I'm going to start out that I'm just kind of learning this stuff. I've been building kites for just a couple of years, just started on dual line actually this year. So I'm, I'm going to really keep an eye out for what other people are saying on this topic. Yeah. I think I'm in the same boat as you in a way, Wadi, like, you know, I've been involved with kite building and developing, but not as much the design side. So I think we got some people on this call that are much better, but I will speak to what do I look for as a flyer? You know, uh, as I was coming around and flying, the 
uh, you know, it was very obvious to me at the time that different kites had different personalities and certain kites did certain tricks better than others. Um, so, uh, you know, learning that maybe a certain kite's not going to do the backspin as well as another kite, uh, you sit there and try and learn a backspin on a particular kite um, that's not going to do it well, it's going to make it much harder. And it was just figuring out which kites suited my personality and what I wanted to do uh, and then which ones were best for certain tricks at the time. So I think you bring up a good point going from the flyer's perspective, which, uh, so from that perspective, from things that I like in kites, the first thing that comes to my mind is size, right? That makes a big difference in just how the kite feels, if it's more precision oriented or tricky oriented, smaller kites tend to flip really easy and like just move around really fast, really tight turns, that sort of thing. So that's, I feel like always the first thing for me is how, how big is this kite? Personally, I like kind of that average size. There's kind of like a main size, like this full, what people call a full size kite. I'm not totally sure what that means, but <laughs> I tend to like the full size kite or maybe slightly oversized. Um, smaller ones, I, I'm, I like precision a lot more. So I usually don't mess with the smaller ones as much. I, I find them to be kind of annoying, but yeah. So I think size is a really big point. Yeah, um, what Hunter and then Spencer was saying, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um... For me, I mean, like when I started up when I was four, everything was huge, <laughs> um, even if it was small. So like, like a micron was like, oh, bless, you know, like it's not going to pull my arms off. Um, but I do think that has very much informed the way I build and, and what I look for, because I prefer a full size kite over a small kite. Anyway, um, staying on topic with this personality kind of thing, I've often I've thought about this a lot. Um, and I talked to Zach about this a lot, who helped me with my first design. He's the guy I pretty much went to for feedback uh, on the Solus almost relentlessly, sorry. <laughs> but like accessibility and size is one thing. And then when, when you're learning or, or kind of crawling up through your progression, I remember, and I feel very strongly about recommending these kinds of kites to people to give them a model that does one genre of thing very well. Um, on a surface level, that could be rotation versus pitch. Um, again, pitch being that backflip or turtle, how, how deep is that? Um, if you want to work on, you know, something, you always want to have this, this characteristic of a kite that it does something really well. There's always a little bit of that like confidence buffer that it's got going for it. Um, I think the hot thing right now is the 99 from open source trick kites. Like, Taz machine is just through the roof. Um, there's a lot of great stuff. That trick sticks out really well. Um, but I look for that kind of stuff. Um, we can talk about, I guess, more elements, but uh, the better I've kind of gotten on the lines, I actually look for a kite that doesn't have any in insane distinguishing features. Um, so you kind of have to work evenly at all realms. It makes the emotional payoff a little bit better. And to me, it kind of eliminates some of those traps if you will um or maybe it forces you not to like overindulge in one thing if it's giving it out keeps the fundamentals in check and your personality sometimes i know in uh, a previous episode we were talking about um you know progressing and learning and how important one of one of the aspects was that how important it is to really learn the equipment you're on before you jump to another piece of equipment and so like kind of narrowing your focus on, on what fits your style before trying everything. Now, go ahead and try everything, but uh, kind of 
simultaneously working out those elements of design that are important versus, you know, kind of playing around. I just wanted to mention, um, <clears throat> this is Zach, I, I have no experience making kites. All, all of my um, experiences just come from flying them. Uh, I will say, I think for me, what's most important is kind of how the kite feels. And like, like Devin said, when I started flying, I think the, the kite that I wanted to fly was the Blue Moon Mojo because of how precise it was, but I could not hold that kite because it pulled me over. Um, so I guess, yeah, for me, the way that the kite feels, I like having, I like being able to feel something on the end of the lines. Um, you can feel how it is in the sky and how it's reacting to your input. Um, and then kind of after that, everything else is secondary. So I find that first and then learn how to do the other stuff with it. Even if maybe if the, the kite might not be the best thing to learn how to do a, a comet on, you just kind of figure it out. I, I have a thought that's kind of coming off of what Nick was talking about, about how you kind of build up how you can fly first and then kind of look at different designs and things. Uh, maybe to, to organize my thoughts a little bit better, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the two, one kite that I have designed and the other kite that I'm currently designing. So my indoor quad line called the Breeze, I flew the Revendor for years and I was okay with it, but I felt like it was too big. It was too squishy. It like had some issues and things that I, I really didn't like. So my first step was to make it smaller. And that was the first version of the breeze. And then I still wanted it to be a little bit more agile. So I changed sort of the aspect ratio of a little bit, which, which gave it like moved it more towards the aspect ratio of the normal outdoor quads and kind of went somewhere in between there to give it a bit more of that kind of, that kind of feel. And that worked out really well, but it was this thing of, I've been flying this type forever. There's, it's not quite what I want. And I've been flying it for so long that I know what I want. And I'm getting there with indoor dual line as well, which right now I'm working on designing the Shiznit, as I'm calling it, which I think is a fun name. But I've flown the Atrix. I like the Atrix a lot. I've flown the uh, Lamhawks VIP and VIP2 and John's, uh, why am I spacing on the name of John's one? Not, is it, the, no. Which Kaiju. One Kaiju, yes, John's Kaiju. Man, yeah. <laughs> so I've flown a lot of John's Kaiju. And they all have bits that I like and that I don't like. The Atrix is really cool, but it's really stiff and stuff, which makes it a little hard to fly. And some, the VIP is kind of close, kind of close too, but also a little more on the squishy side. So I'm trying to find something. And both of those are too small for me, I think. So I'm trying to kind of start from there and build something out a little bit where it's maybe a little bit bigger and then finding the right place in the stiffness that I want because it's still a little bit too stiff with what I have right now and just kind of going there. But with the outdoor dual line, I'm not I'm not there yet. Like I feel pretty comfortable with the R Sky Nirvana is what I'm mainly flying at the moment. And I feel the most comfortable on that one and that I can it doesn't do everything perfectly, but I can do the most on it. And so right now I don't really know where I would go in outdoor dual line design other than just trying to understand how it works. So that's a whole bit that'll be an exploration for me, but 
it boils down to the kind of thing of trying all these different kites, seeing what they do well, what they don't do, what I like the compromises on, what I don't like to kind of de develop where I want to be. And then from kite building, trying to build that, right? Because I didn't start building until I'd already been flying for 12 years. So uh, yeah, having that base of understanding where you're going and getting that from flying all the other kites and seeing all of that is, I think, a big deal when it comes to kite design. Yeah, Wadi, I think I think you're right. I think that's the way a lot of design starts is you, know, you are flying other kites um, and there's certain aspects of it that um, they're lacking for what you're wanting to do. And uh, that breeds into that whole piece of um, let me see if I can develop something that does do what I'm wanting it to do. Uh, yeah, Hunter, I think I'm completely in agreement with your original response to the question and, and, and this this <laughs> this response to to Spence here as well. Um, I am hard pressed to think of any modern or even not so modern. Let's just <laughs> let's just say slackline kite that wasn't originally at least designed by an ex by a kite flyer. I think we're all sport kite flyers first and kite designers second. Do we have anybody here that uh, that that comes to mind that is actually designing only and 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 pumps out kites that are better or more capable than their capabilities there may be a few but i can't think of any really so that goes i meaning to say that i'm in complete agreeance where we're we're sport kite flyers we're finding some kites with some elements that that we like and enjoy and and aren't happy with other elements on those kites and and, and you fly 20 kites and and maybe not consciously but subconsciously you're going to make connections of what works what doesn't work and what design elements are responsible for those things i have a background in aerospace engineering and i have noticed that it doesn't apply that much to kite design because what we're asking from a kite from a sport kite is is to do two extremes on the same scale we we are wanting it to be stable and precise like a Chestnut 172, and we want it to be agile and flippy like an F-16. And in, in aircraft engineering, they haven't figured it out, um, really, because an F-16 is not stable. If that thing wouldn't be flown by wire, it would be unflyable pretty much by, by human hand. Um, and yet we're, we're trying to bring those design elements into one platform, into one kite. Um, meaning, I'm not sure that we're ever going to get the perfect sport kite, but we're all going to strive for it i mean to that point paul i don't think there is a perfect sport kite or there's not there's not a perfect sport kite for everyone there may be one for you or for me at a moment in time uh, but everyone has a different preference and that's why there are so many different types of kites out there and that's one of the things that keeps it interesting and exciting um, is that and i guess from a designer standpoint and Devin and paul specifically y'all can comment more on this I mean, really, you're designing kites that do what you want them to do and fly the way you want them to fly. And then I guess it's a question of do other flyers out there also connect with that and enjoy to fly your designs? Correct. So this is interesting um, from Paul to Hunter. Um, those, I mean, you guys also were focus kites. And I'm, I'm going to use like an old story that, that Paul and I met with for a while too. Like the personalities in kites are vast. It doesn't matter if they're in fashion or not. Um, and 
I'm trying, I'm going to try to pick up on a little bit of what Hunter said here too. Um, he said at that time, like, you know, it, your preference is going to change um, and your skills are going to change, right? And your touch and everything. Um, builders, flyers, et cetera. Um, I think we want to change more than we give ourselves credit for and that we learn faster and pick up on more nuance than we give ourselves credit for. I think it shows in, in design and in how we talk or teach kites too. This might be a little off topic, but no, there's never going to be a perfect sport kite, but the way that you can shift how you approach one can change drastically. Like, so for me, I realized in the pandemic, I, I was over trying to fly stuff from 2015 in the US. Like I needed something with a heavier backflip or deeper backflip. I wanted stuff that moved away from a bit higher aspect. Um, I needed a little bit more, as Brett says, ass honor. I wanted the kite to pitch from the tail, which is stuff that we could talk about later. Um, and so I sold my entire bag, everything, including some of the stuff that I made. Um, and went straight to Benson's and open source trick kites and all this other stuff. I don't think I have a single turbo bridle in my bag anymore, except for the Solaces, which I'm sure Paul is going to have a heyday here on in a second because Paul hates turbo bridles. But uh, he's like, it's true. Um, but your style will change. And I think at the end of the day, you just, you need to have, this is more gray area. Sorry. You, you need to have a full bag that's, going to keep you interested and if you're burned out on something say you're burned out on a prison fanatic it's bloody hell switch to i don't know what was the old crazy super high aspect kind of buena vista sonic or something like switch it up um what paul said one kite is not going to do everything we can talk about why in a second but this probably isn't answering anything i think it depends Devin, on like the context you might be flying um where you might get burned out with something i mean i guess it just kind of depends on like if you're just going out there to just fly and, and get better and just hang out and enjoy the sport is one thing but i i do think there is a huge benefit to fully knowing a kite instead of just i just worry that someone might like throwing the towel on a kite before really giving it a proper chance. That, I mean, that's a thing. Um, probably the kite that has that, that at first maybe came out and confused a lot of people and now seems to be like the hot thing. And I'm very much like at the head of that train is the Benson supernova by Chris Goff. Um, that, that kite completely changed everything on at least how I saw and how I adapted to kites. And I mean, I think we're, we're kind of in this pandemic where, you know, every, everybody's coming out with, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's coming out on the market. Um, kites aren't being made anymore. I know there's a lot of people after like quiz, prism quantums and or quantum pros, like they're going to be hard to find. Like we're kind of at this time where we have to adjust, but I mean, it's like Zach, you're right. You, you need to have at least given any kite, I don't care what it is, enough time to understand not only the kite, but how you react to something that's fixed. And furthermore, how far you're willing to go to adjust. 
about half a year ago or so, Devin, I would have disagreed with that statement, and Zach, for that matter, I would have disagreed with that statement. I would have been able to. I would tell you I can look at a kite, and I will know how it flies, or I can look at a kite and or I can feel it for five minutes. I will know if I if I will like it or not. That has been the story essentially of my, shall we say, adult kite life. And uh, then that got changed for me by 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 one kite recently. Um, I could not work that thing for, for the life of me. Uh, 15 minutes. I flew it 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half hour. I'm like, oh my goodness, I really wanted this kite to be good. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a shameless plug here. It's going to be a, a new level one kite that we're going to be bringing out. And I didn't like it. I could not figure it out. And that has never happened to me. Well, it has happened to me in the past. But then I continue to not like it. So I, And I don't have to fly the dumb thing, right? Um, so then I never fly it again. But But... I didn't want that for this kite. I had very high hopes for this kite. And then all of a sudden, I think after an hour or so, it started clicking. And I, I, I discovered the depth of the kite. And I discovered that the thing could do, well, probably more than I could. Uh, and 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 Nick had to drag me off the beach at sunset, essentially. I had so much fun with it. And there's so much to learn for me on that kite. So that was a very recent, very interesting moment for me uh, where I had to go against my own preconceived notion of I can figure it out in a few minutes and I'll know what that kite is capable of. I was, I was wrong. I mean, that's a big deal. Like for everyone, I think we all need, we need something like that. Sometimes more than once, like again, speaking from my experience with the supernova, I mean that I feel like I'm like a new flyer. I, Paul, I hope you feel the same way. Um, it's interesting. I feel like sometimes, not that we didn't understand them, but sometimes we fear what we don't understand, or it's just like, oh, is the work like really worth it? And then all of a sudden, you know, bonding or understanding this kite that's so far out of your comfort zone informs everything that you've done or wish you have done since you've picked up the lines. It's very interesting. Um, which is actually, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this because this this is a pretty exciting time for kites to be produced. And like what you said, this this new firecracker of yours that's coming over. Now's the time to, to like, you know, to maybe hold on to one of those kites that you don't fully understand and see what goes on because it will segue into informing you of what you want, what you're going to look for, maybe how you design, should you choose to go down that route. Yeah. And I've been super, uh, I've been in this for a very long time, right? Since '92, so you go through ups and downs. You're not gonna, you're not gonna burn that flame super bright for however long that is. I'm not even doing the math right now. Um, and I've not been that active in the last couple of years. Um, I've stopped competing because it doesn't excite me that much anymore. I've flown against everybody, literally everybody in the country uh, that was competing in in my time. I've I've won a few. I've lost a few, and it's okay. It doesn't excite me that much anymore. Um, I've learned there was another recent sort of, and it's slightly off topic, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, a recent thing is like the rock stars of, of the world, they don't compete together. They get on stage and they jam together and they have a great time and everybody enjoys that. And that is what I want to do right now. I want to meet with, with, with my, with, with, with other rock stars. I want to meet with all kinds of flyers that are enthusiastic and, and, and play together on the beach. Uh, sounds very flower powery, but that's where I'm at right now. And for me to rediscover, or rather discover a new kite and, and rediscovering uh, a love for 
sport kite flying. That was that was pretty cool. That was pretty big, uh, and it has been. I had been, I've been on the way down from an intensity perspective for just a little bit, and those realizations of I don't need to be a competitive flyer. I can just be jamming on the stage in combination with uh, finding a new kite and an entirely new feel on the lines that I have so much to learn and uh, so much to do again, uh, that that reignites. This does remind me a little bit of, um, so uh, when I think about the kites that I have, right, I, I'm not, a, I don't like collecting things. I don't like, I, I like decluttering. I like getting rid of stuff. Um, but kites is one thing that I'm starting to, have a harder time on that with, particularly with dual line. And that what I'm doing right now is that I'm building more and more of the open source kites. And then every time I build a kite, I keep two of the two ultralights, two standards, two vintage in my bag at any time. And there's one that I dislike more than the other. So when I build a new one, that one goes out of the bag and I put the new one in. And I'm just kind of always shuffling through them in that way. But I don't really want to sell them afterwards. So I, because my thought is like, I want to go back to them again in five years, in 10 years, and see if if I still feel justified in pulling them out of my bag or not. And I, I think that's that will that might change. That might be interesting. I'm not sure. But yeah, it certainly, I think, tastes change. And I haven't seen that in myself yet, but I, I, I think it will. I just wanted to kind of touch on um, what Paul was saying. Was that that relearning kind of, or even Devin too? I think just that relearning of like how to how to work a kite to what you want it to do, or trying to understand what that kite is trying to do for you. I think it kind of makes you a better flyer in general. And so then when you go back to something that you know really well, you're probably going to be able to do stuff with that that you weren't able to do before because now you have some new capabilities. Just like, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I think if you're a dual line flyer in this same, this same idea, if you learn how to fly a quad, well, I think it will probably make you a better dual line flyer. Just like if you're a quad flyer and you're a learner dual, it will translate. I think everything is connected. And that breakdown of starting over, I think only makes you more solid in the future. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent with what's been said about you find something that reignites that that flame. I mean, uh, all of us here have flown kites for a very long time, and it's hard to burn that flame bright, like Paul mentioned earlier. Uh, but to look at it from a different perspective, so we are all flyers here of what ten to fourteen years plus at least each. Um, so we've had time to for our flame to to burn out a little bit, and then maybe needs need a little bit more enlightening or, or something to kind of wake us up a little bit more. Uh, you know, just to point out that there's, there are a lot of flyers coming into it now. And what are they looking for though? They're looking for a kite that they can get on that, that is fairly easy for them to do what they want to do with progress and learn um, and feel comfortable with. And that inspires confidence in them, which then makes them want to continue to progress and learn uh, and then, hopefully try new kites and, and keep going through it. Um, and I feel like there's some people on Facebook um, that I feel like I've been able to watch that over the course of the past year or so 
that are really active and maybe the sport kite pilot lounge or whatever and posting videos and photos. We've been able to watch some people progress like that. And I think that's been really fun. But I think that's an interesting difference to point out is we're all flyers have been doing it for a long time. So what we're looking for is very different than what that relatively new flyer is looking for. I do like something that Zach said earlier about the flying quad line helps you fly better dual line too and that sort of thing. And I think I'm actually an example of that in that I actually learned to fly dual line first. I learned to fly and I actually owned a dual line first. I learned to fly a dual line and I was never that very good at it. But then I learned to fly quad line and I picked on that a lot better. And I flew quad line for about, I don't know, maybe four or five years and was very comfortable with it before I got back into dual line again. And without having flown a dual line for five years and never knowing how to do a fade, I was able to get to do a fade. Like I had never done it, right? but I just now I understand how kites in general work to where I can go, oh, I see, you know, I see how this, how this happens. So uh, definitely plus one on that um, transferable skill set. And so breaking out, not just between different kites, but between different areas in kiting in general is, is valuable. I think that's one of the nuances of design that sometimes gets lost kind of on this upper level is much like what Hunter was saying and even kind of Wadi, what you were touching at is until, until you have a better understanding of what you're doing, a lot of those elements are, you can't feel them, you can't understand them, you can't appreciate them, right? Um, you know, it, it, I make it kind of akin to like driving a car, right? If you don't know how to drive a car, a Ford Taurus is perfect for you. Get into that and drive it around. You're not going to understand and feel, you know, the, the beautiful revving of the engine of a high performance sports car or really get the most out of it until you have that basic concept of, of driving down. And you can always... Yeah, you can always kind of come back and find some love in that Ford Taurus. You know, it's it's reliable. But yeah, it's I I think that a lot of the design elements we've been kind of dancing around are those things that are very much in tune to the more elevated fire flyer, the more experienced flyer than they are the entry level flyer. Entry level flyer doesn't want it to break. That's about it. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna tag team off you, Nick. Um, I know nothing about cars, so like maybe not on that respect. Um, and I do agree with what Zach and Wally were saying. Like you, you do to some extent need to learn how to fly quads or duels. Like I will never actively fly a quad in public, but I did have a gin and I flew with a bunch of people for I mean hours and hours. I've had a 1.5 since I was six. They do, they do help. Um, the maybe thing they that do was... too complicated for you. No. They're just, you just stand in the same place sometimes. And like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> like. Zach, they are too um, complicated for me. I am, I'm definitely in the <laughs> minus one crowd to where I, 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 I'm a dual line flyer. And the longer I fly dual line, the less likely I am to cross over. I'm, I'm in a sense with Devin that, that you won't find me fly quad in public. Uh, there may or may not be for some, some, some videos few and far between. Um, but I no, have one holding on to it for blackmail. Well, I'll... it's, it's for me, it's, it was actually 
the the more I flew dual line, I couldn't. I, the less I could get used to the feel of a quad line, and it would. F I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't enjoy it. I, it would frustrate me, and basically threw it in the corner and went back to my dual line guide. Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense. Um, they're two. I mean, they're extremes. I think um, the thing that's been ringing through my head or screaming in my head like a crazed banshee is that the phrase "time on the lines" is universal. Um, it doesn't matter what you're flying. I mean, obviously, like you're not going to want to fade by you know, putting up a one dollar single line kite from Target, but like you know what I mean. Um, if you're flying great. Um, I have often like I've thought and I touched on this a little bit about this idea of latching on to personalities and stuff. And I, I do think the more that we've been talking, the the accessible kites towards the beginner um, are things that have features that are easy to latch onto, um, like kind of that nice home base, something that's a bit more accessible. Um, I think that this name will probably ring out quite a bit with a lot of people um is like the prism fanatic like if you want to learn axles multiple axles stuff like that or even the skyburner wahoo like you want to have a kite that you can identify with very quickly um and then as you move on knowing big broadway sign flashing above my head that a lot of kites are made for you to progress past them they're they're supposed to be stepping stones um to then you know become part of this giant delightful universal pond to have those extreme features is actually kind of a gift sometimes. Um, and I think that's something we lose sight of a lot. Um, it's not necessarily instant gratification, but it is, it's, it's, it's like bonding over common ground with a stranger. It's so much easier to talk to them if you have one thing that clicks. Stranger, it's a great kite, love the stranger. Yeah, do you mean stranger the kite or stranger as in a strange person? Like a creep on a street stranger. Maybe not Same that extreme. Thing. Yeah. You must be psycho. <laughs> well played, Hunter. That was actually, that was really good. For those of you that don't know, the stranger and the psycho were um, crazed brother and sisters back in the day. And Hunter just won the kite pun contest. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank you guys uh, for kind of chatting about this topic. And I know definitely next time we're going to have to kind of get into a little bit more of the technical aspects of design because we really kind of got into the philosophical and the feeling of design and what it means for us. But uh, hey, Wadi, what you yeah. got? I, I want to talk about winglets. Let me do that. I want to talk about winglets. What's you want to talk about it right now or you want to hold it for the next chat? <laughs> I don't know. I just think they're cool looking and I, I want to know more about them. I want to build a kite with winglets on it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Paul really, really wants to talk about one design element because he loves what winglets is. as well. What is that? So a winglet, yes, I think is what, what I'm referring to is where you have the wing, the tip of the, the kite, the you know the tip the landing tips right instead of them just going down to a single point you might have an extra like batten sit uh, attached to the leading edge that kind of pushes more fabric out like down below right so instead of it just being a nice bezier curve from the tail to the wing tip it's a bezier curve and then a sharp cut or a different curve to the wing tip right so you have this little flanking like fish wing kind of thing yeah, like a little fin. 
So those basically there's there's a little bit of extra fabric in the wing there, Spen, is that correct? Yes, an extra bit of fabric that's probably tensioned independently. So um, thanks for the setup. I, I love winglets. I, I have been using them for, for years. I absolutely love winglets. Um, I love that they add precision for me in, in both uh, forward flight as well as stability in stalls and don't take anything away from, from any other element. It's typically when you're working with kites, you're... Uh, you're adding something to a kite because you want to improve it somewhere and then you notice, oh crap, it's it's doing something else not as good now all of a sudden. And with winglets, I haven't found that. Yes, they're more complicated to 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 build. Sorry, Hunter. Sail making is 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 more difficult and different. Uh, the whole construction aspect gets a little bit more complicated. Um, but I find they add without taking away and that's, that's why I like them so much. Well, hey, Paul, so you mentioned... You really, sorry, really quick. You mentioned it adds precision, helps you install. Why is that? Is it is it the drag that it's creating? How's it helping you? Um, I feel that that it it prevents over rotating of the wing, as as it adds a little bit of of uh, pressure in the sail, farthest away from from where the kite's rotating in the center. So it it prevents over rotating and and thereby adds stability to the kite. Okay, so I'm hearing all benefit, no drawback. So I'm going to build a kite with massive winglets coming to market soon. The winglet would be great. Winglets can get in the way of some rotation. I think it depends on their size and specifically their place away, like how far they are, like what angle the traveling edge is coming away from the tip. I have yet to fly a kite that actively rotates well in, uh, for example, like a TAS machine. Um, something like that, it does add just a teeny little tiny bit of drag and it can be a little frustrating. Thank you. <laughs> like it, it can be, um, needless to say, that is one of the personality quirks that we are talking about either working with or overcoming. Um, there are kites that have these tiny little winglets that like you can barely see like the transfer, um, but I do think if, like, if you want to get a really great rotating kite like with winglets, it would be eh, much to the demise of some other things. Like, I mean, you can put a fairly large bend in the leading edge or broad seam the spine and get things going like that. Um, but I've, I mean, I've noticed from a, from a 3D standpoint that sometimes they do get in the way of rotation, like the TAS machine comes to mind. So, Devin, you're saying I can actually do a TAS machine if I take my winglets off. That is that is interesting. Just cut them right off. I was not aware of that. <laughs> like, just, I mean, they do. I've I have flown kites that you can tell like they're very stable when they're flying. They're very stable in stalls, like with the winglets. Depending on specifically, if you like to mess with orientation of tricks, the angle that the wind does hit those extreme points of the kite, it can either make them harder or not as flexible in terms of speed. Like if you really want to like mess with how fast you're doing something and that's all very wind dependent. Um, but I think for what the kite's built for, like if a kite has winglets for me, I'm thinking that's not a big deal. 
because I'm thinking like they're there for a reason. Like this, this kite, this person that's built it wants the kite to be incredibly stable, which usually comes with being very intuitive. Um, no crazy features in terms of um, obviously like oversteer, which goes into incredibly stable. Um, so you almost kind of accept the fact that there might be a little bit of inflexibility there, but I mean, it's nothing that is necessarily a deal breaker. It's just something to be aware of. And, and just to be sure, um, I'm, there's obviously the, the bigger the winglet, you're going to get more different characteristics that you're that you're going to be building in them i was not referring to say a, a nuclear reactor by spectrosport mid 90s <laughs> type winglet i was talking about something sleek subtle and sexy we do like sleek and sexy um yeah i, I like mean, that. that's that's a thing like of course i mean there's there's always exceptions but i mean it's there it's just like anything else like you know, like a high aspect kite is going to be hard to pull off these kind of crazy rotational things. In most cases, um, it's it's just a trade-off. It's what you, you know, what, what the mojo of the kite is. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sport Kite Podcast. We hope to be bringing you something new every week. Don't forget to find sportkite.org on Facebook and give it a like and a follow. And check out the website sportkite.org and watch this resource grow. If you have any questions or suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at info at sportkite.org or drop us a line on Facebook. All right, till next time. <laughs>